0: You're listening to the Shelter Stories of Redemption. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please visit Mission.org. Now, here's your host, Michael David. Hey guys, how you doing? Michael David here again with the Shelter Podcast. The Shelter Podcast is amazing because we tell stories of redemption. Today we have an amazing story with by Ron. How you doing today, Ron?
1: I'm well, thank you,
0: Ron. You know, I was just talking to you off microphone and I was just asking your story because I want to get a little bit more of a background and you were telling me your story. And I remember saying, Okay, we gotta stop talking because this is such a good testimony of of how God totally redeemed your life that I wanted you guys to hear my reactions for for exactly what they are, because wow, this is a great testimony. So, Ron introduce yourself here. Tell us a little bit about you, where you were from when you were born and stuff like that.
1: Hi, my name is Ron Moore. I was born in Roxbury, Massachusetts. Um, 57 years old and uh, my story is kind of wild. It begins like this. some educated and uh, grew up in Roxbury. Went through a little bit of trouble uh, and up to I was about 1921 then i worked very hard worker worked for a nice company making good money then i decided i wanted to be a gangster
0: actually before we get to that point because that's the interesting point right there i want to be but how was the relationship with your parents growing up
1: uh, rep- my relationship with my parents is was wonderful uh one of my parents is a preacher so i'm a preacher's kids you're a
0: pk you're a preacher's kid
1: yeah so that's the funny thing about it you know within church
0: this took okay this is this took the whole story to another level here because man all right guys wait till you guys hear this whole story so let me ask you a question now i know in about five minutes when we get to the point we're going to talk about being a preacher's kid did that add Any level of stress to your life to where you wanted to rebel?
1: Yes, because it made uh, as a child you have to do what your parents uh, uh, tell you to do. Yeah, yeah. So going to church wasn't an option. We were there five, six times a week.
0: Wait, wait, (laughs) five or six times a week? Yeah. I remember. I was talking. I was. I was a youth director one time, and someone goes to me. How do I get my kid to go to church? I go, just once a week. How do I get him to go to church once a week? Hmm. I'm like, do you make him go to school? am like, yeah. I'm like, there you go. That was once a week. Yeah. You're saying five times a week. Yeah. That's nuts.
1: That is nuts.
0: I'm not saying it's a bad thing by means because I'm a Christian myself. Yeah. But five times a week?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, really four to five. You're somewhere <laughs> around there. Yeah, 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 know. yeah. So basically, that's, you know, and as you get older, when you come to that point where they give you an option of whether or not you want to go to church. And like I said, it was six of us and so we chose not to.
0: So, so pretty much it, you were like, okay, I'm 18. Boom. I'm done. I'm not going.
1: Yeah. So it's, when, when we came to that point where we decided whether or not we wanted to go to church and uh, we chose not to.
0: So no, you, I heard you just say you had six siblings. Yeah. yeah. Now out of the six siblings, Did everyone, um, I have a sister, and fortunately or unfortunately, we're a lot alike, Mm -hmm. but you had six. Now, we're all your...
1: It's three brothers, three boys, three girls, and they're, they're, I have three of us. It's three of us that are the outcasts that are more like me.
0: So you're one of them. (laughs) You're one of the (laughs) outcasts.
1: Yeah, so, you know, if if you've seen me, you've seen my two sisters, and the, uh, the three of us spend most of our time... Hanging together, doing everything together. So you've seen one, you've seen two of us, three of us. Now,
0: the other three... I
1: have two brothers and another sister who chose their own paths, you know. One is uh, very, very, very intelligent, and she's, uh, like I said, she's one of the... She works for FEMA now. She used to work run Mass General, so, you know. Wow. And I have an... Another brother, a younger brother, which is in Boston, and he does his own things. So, okay. Yeah, and then I have a brother who's in Lexington, Kentucky. My twin, which is in Lexington, Kentucky, which twenty-two years ago he changed his life around. Did I been sober for twenty-two years now?
0: That's awesome. So, yeah. You have a twin.
1: Yes, Ronald and Donald.
0: no get that way. Yeah. <laughs> ronald and donald yeah that is amazing it's like uh the candy mike and ike
1: yeah there you go (laughs) Yeah.
0: so okay so let's let's kind of fast forward a little bit here so you have six siblings your mom and your dad one of them was a pastor was the pastor your dad or your mom uh i'm
1: gonna keep that disclosed
0: all righty sounds good um so um one was a pastor Mm -hmm. you had six siblings Mm -hmm. And right down the middle, three are alike and three other ones that are alike. You kind of form your own little pact. Yes. Um, you have a twin brother named Donald. Donald and you're Ronald. <laughs> That's yeah. fantastic. I love uh. it. All right. So once you hit once you were able to decide for yourself, you said, "No, know, I'm a pastor's kid. I've been going to church four to four to five days a week. I'm done with it. Yeah. Well, what did that lead you to?
1: Well, I wanted to do other things. You know, as a child, you think, uh, you miss out on a lot of things, and, uh, I missed out on a lot of things. School was my main point, and that's what I focused on, so after school, then I wanted to, wanted to see what I missed out on, and so I tried, you know, I tried the street life, and, uh, I liked it and I enjoyed it. You know.
0: What do you mean by the street life?
1: The street life, the stuff that you're not supposed to do. Hang on the corners and <laughs> do. Listen, all I'm, that. I'm
0: I'm I, I'm from the whitest uh, <laughs> picket fe- the whitest picket fence neighborhood. You can do like every every house white picket fence. Okay. So when you say that when you say the street life, I'm like okay the, playing basketball or something.
1: The street life. <laughs> Hanging on corners, drinking beer, trying there we go. other substances and stuff like that. Yeah, that's the life. That you know, you think you missed out on something. So I thought I missed out on something. So I wanted to try it. Yeah. Now,
0: how old were you? How old were you when all this started going
1: down? I think uh, after school, that put me about nineteen twenty years of age.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, and so you know, I. Like I was saying, uh, at that age, I started a family, had a couple of kids, and uh, had a really good job, but I was fascinated by the street life, and uh, I chose that for a while, and then it took me on some adventures. Can I speak of those? Absolutely. Okay, so I think back in 84, 85, I started my career as uh, being a delinquent, and, you know, ended up in the penitentiary, and uh, did a five-year federal bid and uh, came out, and wanted to, and the life was still in my head, so I tried to do it again.
0: So what caused you to get into the penitentiary?
1: Uh, Oh, possession of drugs, possession of firearms, things like that, you know. So uh, I come out, and I was being harassed by the police because they know who I was and everything. So I tried a geographical cure. So I moved, left Massachusetts in 89, moved to Kentucky, got to Kentucky, and thought that I, um, they say wherever you go, you take yourself with you. So I was in Kentucky for a while.
0: Now, does that mean your problems follow you?
1: No, I am, I was my problem, didn't know it then. But I thought I could do the same things that I did in mass in Kentucky. So I started selling jokes again, and next thing you know, I end up in a penitentiary again for another five years. Come out of the penitentiary and wanted to do the same thing again. But then I decided this isn't the life that I wanted to live. So I went into recovery in 1999. Started a recovery program. Can I name the place? Sure. I went to the healing place in Louisville, Kentucky. Stayed there for a year. Became an a honor system staff there. Also taught recovery and alcohol there in Louisville. And changed my life around. So it's about a whole year. Met a, met a nice lady. Decided to get married was married for 14 years. 14 the, years? Um,
0: was it uh, happy years?
1: I thought they were. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so like I said, you know, and then after 14 years, uh, 2014, I went to a divorce. It hit me hard. And from that point there, I started picked up drinking. Instead of relying on God or calling a sponsor or calling anyone, I decided to drink. And that one drink took me six years up to last year in order to get myself together to give me the clarity that I needed.
0: I got to ask you a question because like, I remember we were talking off, off microphone before we first started. Yes. I was saying, you sound so educated. Like you're, like you're a very smart man.
1: Uh well I appreciate
0: that. You you like you're not like me, you're not a dummy like I am, but you're a smart man. And you were telling me before that you know you managed um multiple locations of McDonald's, multiple yeah. liquor stores, like you can't be a dummy and have to be in charge of numbers, ordering, and manage people. Like you have to have a head in your shoulders. Yes. So I got. I have to ask you, and this is when I actually stopped the conversation. I said, "We got to talk on. We have to talk on microphone about this."
1: Well, those are in my younger years.
0: But I guess my question is, how did you get from head on your shoulders to being in the streets, gangbanging, um, firearm possessions in the penitentiary, going to Kentucky? Like, what? And, and you were a pastor's kid. That was the shocking part because when you told me that you were a pastor's kid and the top it all off, I was like, wow, this just took a totally different turn than I, it's like, it was like watching a movie and you threw the pastor's kid remark and I was like, whoa, didn't see that coming. Yeah, <laughs> Like, how did you get from being a pastor's kid, you know, managing these stores, being successful, well off financially, to being in prison?
1: That's It's the life I chose, you know, nothing lasts forever. Yeah. In the streets, you know, it's uh, some, I mean, what you do, you know, if it's illegal, you know, it's going to come to an end.
0: Did you know at the time what you were doing was wrong? Yes. Now, were you kind of living a life where it's like, you know. Christianity has been forced on me so much that I don't care. I just want to be part of this.
1: No, for me, I put all that, I left all that alone a long, long time ago.
0: Really? Okay. Once
1: I made the choice not to go to church and do all of that, all that was history. I left God alone, and I, you know, I became my own God at that point. So I took things as I did, you know, anything that I did, you know, I had power. That's the way I put it. I see myself as as God at that point in time yeah. of the things that I've done. I had no regret for the things I've done. So I said, then, that's what I used to say. But, you know, looking back on it, the things that some of the, a lot of the things that I do, I've done, you know, I wish I hadn't done. But, you know, the past is my past. God can forgive me for my mm-hmm. sins, and it's, if I don't continue to do the wrong thing but do the right thing, yeah, I'll be okay. So you know,
0: two things just stuck out at me, what you just said, and I loved it. You know, the first thing is that that you know what you did turned out to be your God. Like you are your God. Like yeah. and yeah. I look in the Bible and it says you cannot choose, you cannot serve two masters. Master. Yes. And you didn't. You chose one master, yeah. which was you. Right. And you know what's funny, like I kind of look at it as, you know, a priest. Mm-hmm. People will pray to a priest, confess to a priest, but they're confessing to a, they're confessing to a person and they're putting their faith in a person who's not even perfect. Right. So that person, like a priest, is just a person. Yeah. And I kind of correlate that with when we put our faith in ourselves, we're just imperfect, harmful gross people mm-hmm. that we need Christ's forgiveness, but we're so dare I say we we as people can be so dumb and idiotic that we don't even see that. All we see is I need to please myself and that's it. And I, and I see that and I'm like, and I, the God that the God that we serve wants nothing to do with the sin that we have yeah and i find it amazing that you know we know god like we know the bible yes but we don't practice and put it into practice right and we allow things to get in our lives and before we know that ship has sailed and we're out we're out on the sea by ourselves and we're like what do i do now and then the second thing i love about your testimony is you're so real. I, I love how you you said, I'm not ashamed of it because it happened. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that you kind of implied that, you know, it kind of made me the journey that I went on is kind of brought me to where I am today. Yeah. All right. So I'm done talking. So keep going.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, where was I?
0: So we're kind of talking about like, um, you know, you you chose to huh. do what you want to do because you were your God. And then no. you don't really regret what happened, but it kind of made you who you were today.
1: Okay. Yes. And like, I, as I was saying, through my divorce, I chose not to call a sponsor, not to call on God. I chose to drink. And I've been drinking for six years. And then one day I decided something came over me. I don't know what. I was sitting there drinking, and I just didn't want to drink again. And that's how I ended up here. I'm sitting there. I don't want to drink, but I have a drink in my hand, but I don't want to drink. And I decided something came over me. I didn't want to drink. But get me, don't get me wrong, I had a drink in my hand that I haven't opened and I'm taking it with me in case I do decide I'm to change my mind and have a drink that I have one with me. This is on a Sunday, Sunday evening, pouring down rain. So I get up and I explain that I, I'm done. So a person thought I was talking about I'm done with her, well, I was done with everything
0: you say the person you mean
1: my my ex-fiance okay so i ended everything there and then i chose not to drink i chose how could i help someone if i can't help myself how could i be good to anyone if i can't help myself so i realized that right there and then i told her i was done mind you how
0: I, did she take that by the way
1: Uh, She thought I was joking because it's pouring down rain. Yeah. You know, I just flew in from Kentucky again, and uh, she thought I was joking around. Yeah. So when I up and left walking in the rain in shorts and a jacket, and uh, I just didn't know where I was going, got on the commuter rail, went to the other, got on the commuter rail, Didn't know where I was going. Got on the commute, going the other way outside of Boston, the longest way out, away from Brockton, that way, and then get there, and there's nothing out there. So I just waited another two hours for the train to come back. Got on the train, went into Boston. As I'm in the train station, I hear. Commuter rail going to Providence, Rhode Island. Something told me to get on that train. So I got on that train. And as I'm on the train, I realized just like at the end of that last stop, there's no, nothing at the end of the stop. So I got on my phone and asked any shelter in Providence, Rhode Island, and it popped up Providence Rescue Mission. So I gave them a call and asked them uh, if they had available bed. And they said, yes they do. They said, am I in Providence? I said, no, I'm heading towards Providence. So they gave me the address to the place. So I got to Providence a couple of hours later and next thing you know, it's pouring down rain. They told me what bus to get on. So I'm standing at the bus stop, waiting and waiting and waiting and no bus comes happened to walk over to the sign, and it says last bus is at 845. So I pick up the phone and call Rescue Mission again. And I asked them, hi, my name is Ron, can, I'm at the terminal, can you guys pick me up? They said they don't pick, do pickup. So it's pouring down rain, I'm standing in shorts, and it, I, so I figured, how am I going to get there? So I picked up my phone and give me directions to Providence Rescue Mission. So I walked myself from in the rain over to Providence Rescue Mission that night. uh,
0: no, you at the Providence bus stop near the mall?
1: No, the one down, I don't know where I'm at, but you know.
0: How far was it?
1: uh, It said 25 minutes on the... the, For a walk? Yeah.
0: Do you walk 25 minutes?
1: To To get here. In the rain? Yeah. Crazy. And remember... In that walk, I still had that beer with me. You know, I, have, I <laughs> so haven't...
0: I You had that beer all the way in Boston.
1: All the way to the other outside of Boston, into Boston, all the way outside of Boston. So I know something that came over me that I didn't want to drink, but...
0: You I, had it just in case. Just
1: in case. And like I said, I had nowhere to go. I didn't know where I was going. And Then when I, as I got started walking and walking and got closer to Providence Rescue Mission, as I looked at the numbers on Cranston Street and I seen I was closer to the rescue mission, I tossed the beer away. So I tossed the beer away. What
0: made you toss that beer away, you think?
1: I think it was my security blanket. Whether or not I was going to drink it or not, I don't know. I know I didn't. But I don't know. It was, I guess... I guess that's the one that drove me to get here. I don't know. By holding on to that, just made me remember what what I was doing. What do I not want to do? And like I said, I had that one beer for hours and just, and then to, like I said, it's about 10 o'clock in the evening now, and I still had that beer. But as I got closer to the Providence Rescue Mission, I was looking at the numbers on trying to find a place. And I knew I was close, I threw the bear away. I come into the rescue mission, they sign me in. Okay, so I'm an overnight guest here. And uh, I was only supposed to be here for one night, because uh, I was supposed to go stay with my daughter, and work with my daughter and her husband. And uh, the next morning I called them, and uh, uh, they had a death in the family on the, her husband's side, and I told him I'll be here for a couple of days, then I'll wait till you guys get settled, and something came over me, I did not want to leave the mission, I did not want to walk outside the mission gate, I had money in my pocket, and I knew if I left, I would take a drink, so I didn't, I stayed inside, I stayed inside, I stayed inside. One morning, I got up and I, I happened to go to the front desk and asked them if they had a program. And they said yes. I said, "You guys have a recovery program?" They said yes. And the guy asked me, David said, "Would you like to join?" I said yes. So he said, uh, "Hang around for a few days. Don't leave, and uh, someone will get, get with you." And. I did. I was fearful of leaving the property, period, because I knew I would drink again. And I had enough of what I'd been getting. I had enough of drinking. I had enough. I just just wanted it to end. I wanted things to change. So they asked me if I wanted to come in the program one day, and I said yes.
0: Now, what program was this?
1: This is the... The recovery program here at the Providence Rescue Mission. And so, like, two, three days later, they asked me to come in. I had to turn in my cell phone. I said, Here, you can have both of them. (laughs) Two
0: cell phones? (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
1: So I gave them both of my phones, and uh, I can say my sign up date was 4 3 um, 20. Okay. So I've been here for seven months.
0: So what's changed over that seven months?
1: I have changed completely. In what way? Uh, spiritually, mentally, and physically.
0: So, so I guess my question is is that you were totally against God. No, Well, here's the question. Were you, you didn't want to go to church.
1: I didn't want to go. I, I knew about God. I just didn't.
0: During, I, the, during the time, you didn't want to go to church. Because now you're pro-God. Like you want to have a relationship with Christ. Yeah. Did you not want anything to do with God or the church back then?
1: Um, There's two sides to your question. So okay. So what I'm saying is, is it that it's not that I didn't want nothing to do with God. It's God was already in me. Sure. It's just I didn't choose to apply him.
0: Go- okay. Gotcha, I, gotcha. I didn't
1: reach out to him. I didn't acknowledge him.
0: Did like, you feel like he was always there?
1: I knew he was there, but I wanted to be him. Yeah. So therefore, I had no need for God at the present time because I was God. I, you know, you, at least that's what I thought. Now,
0: when you say God, you you mean God as far as you worshiped yourself. Yes. Gotcha.
1: Okay, so therefore, you know, I know God is down deep down on in each inside of every one of us. And like I said, I grew up in the church. But when you choose a lifestyle of drugs and alcohol, that, you know, that becomes your God. Yeah. So you know, I worship to drink. Yep. You know, so
0: so now you are at the mission. Now, Your life has totally changed. In the past, what's it been? Seven Se- months. Seven months. Yes. W- explain to me. What do you mean? It's changed.
1: I have changed. Okay. I mean, I have come. I was selfish, self-centered, egotistical, and all of that. And it's hard for me today to not be able to help someone else. I think I feel much better when I'm helping someone else rather than thinking of myself. I put the next person first instead of myself first. I mean, God has really come into my life, and I reach out to him today, and I feel better when I'm helping someone. If I'm not helping someone, I'm not trying to hurt anyone. If I can't reach out to lift you up, I have nothing else to do for you. My only thing I can do is help a person. And that's what, I think my primary purpose is to help others.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. Is that what the missions taught you? Basically, that's
1: what the Bible is us. Yeah. The Bible says that, that, you know, there's two things. Treat thy neighbor as thyself. Mm-hmm. One of the Ten Commandments, I think, is second. And in which, that's one of the main things. Mm-hmm. Worship God and help others.
0: You know, what you're saying, it really resonates with me because I'm, I think I was talking to Gilmar before, and I told him this, and I grew up going to the mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, my youth group, we actually, knocked down all the walls. This used to be a jewelry factory back in the day. So we got our teenage... We got our teenage anger out and <laughs> took our sledgehammers to the yeah. walls. Yeah. But um, when I was a youth, youth, and I was like 17 or 18, the verse that we were always told was, is in Matthew. It says, For Christ did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And when you correlate that with Philippians 2 1 through 5, um, in the verse 5, it says, Consider your, consider. Have it says in a summary, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, and you put those two together. Mm. Uh, I we it's really one of the most powerful things you can do for someone is learn how to serve. Yeah. You look at the world now, with, especially with politics. It's always like politics and social issues. It's like, how can you serve me? It's like, no, 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 no. It's like, how can I serve you? you? Yes. And I have a five and a seven year old. And. They drive me crazy, but yeah. they're awesome. Yeah, and I, my daughter, she's seven years old. And her name is Leah, and I say to her, Leah, "Before you when you go to school, they serve someone." Yeah. And a reminder of the verse: "For Christ did not come to be served, but to serve." Yeah. And I, I would say, Leah, she's like, "Well, Daddy, how can I serve someone?" I go, "Well, if the teacher needs help, you help the teacher. If someone needs help with, the, if someone needs a pencil, give them a pencil." Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that you've taken on that verse and you're and you said to you you just said right now you said. I'm I feel better helping someone Mm -hmm. rather than myself. Yeah. Um, So over the past seven months, eight months has been seven months. Your life's totally changed. Um, What has the mission, how has the mission helped you get to this point?
1: Well, the mission is solely responsible for giving me a place, giving me the tools to teach us and bringing me back to Christ which I had walked away from. They uh, apply classes and everything so that people can study, learn uh, Bible studies and everything, which I have ran away from and which I haven't been to in long, in years. Like I said, I can probably quote some of the scriptures or probably, I mean, on that aspect of what I know of, of the Bible, it's, um, I mean, like I said, I'm very educated, but uh, I haven't applied any of that stuff in years. Mm-hmm. And so it's bringing it back to the forefront, and um, I'm enjoying it. You know, it's like uh, I have a second chance at life. God has given me another opportunity to serve Him and others. So He hasn't forsaken me. There's, That's awesome.
0: You just put the biggest smile on my face and you mm-hmm. just said that.
1: So uh, my thing is praise, serve God, serve others, and anything, anything, the mission has supplied me with anything I need. They gave me the opportunity to get a peace of mind back, and I have that today. That's more than any wealth, than anything that I ever had. A peace of mind brought me closer to God. I enjoy my time with God. I enjoy the classes that they teach. We go through two, three classes uh, about four days a week, so or more. And uh, it's if you apply yourself, you, you know what you get out of it. It's it depends on you, and uh, it's an eye opener for me. It's bringing me closer to God. I look forward to the next class. I look forward to the teachers that they put together to bring this peace of mind, joy, and excitement. You know, I said I'm I'm ecstatic when I'm looking, knowing that we're having a certain person teaching a class because I'm looking forward to continuing to hear their message and hear their delivery of the Bible. And uh, yeah, and, and it helps me to apply it in my life. You know, and uh, it's uh, it's a wonderful thing. Like I said, I give praise to the mission for being here to help others, to do the things that they're doing. You know, it's, it's a wonderful feeling to be a part of something that's bringing joy to so many different people. And it's also bringing joy to me, for putting me in a position to be able to redeem myself, to rejuvenate my life with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit and just to feel the love and give the love to others it's a wonderful feeling i mean i can't i can't really really explain it but i just enjoy doing it i mean if i can help you that helps me and it brings joy to me to see someone else with a smile on their face. Mm. And uh, I'm, I'm just thankful for the mission to giving me a second chance at life, a second chance at Christ. So therefore, you know, um, I'm all questions <laughs> and answers if you have them. But yeah, that's
0: awesome. Yeah. So. Your story's amazing. Yeah. You know, the title of the uh, podcast is The Shelter. Mm. And the subtitle is Stories of Redemption. Your story is literally the meaning of the podcast. Mm-hmm. In uh, I remember when, you know, me and Sean were talking about, now Sean, as you guys know, is the director of the Providence Rescue Mission. Um, we were talking about the podcast title, and I said the shelter. and then I, I don't know where the name came from. It was, it was definitely a God thing, because I view Christ as my shelter. I go to him when I'm in need or even when I'm not in need, when I I just want someone to talk to. Yeah. And like I think that's one of the biggest things as people need to learn in their faith is that you just don't go to Christ when you need him. You go to Christ always. And but specifically the shelter, yeah. what I love about your story is God used the rescue mission as your shelter yeah. and to, to help deliver you to the Ron we have today. Yes. Well, guys, thank you so much. We have Ron here today. Ron, you're amazing.
1: Well, thank (laughs) you. Seriously,
0: (laughs) your story is, it's just mind-blowing. Guys, as you guys know, um, the Providence Rescue Mission is 100% uh, privately funded. Um, If you ever want to give to the Providence Rescue Mission, go to the ProvidenceRescueMission.org. There you can donate to the Rescue Mission. And here's the thing. You know, when we bring people onto this podcast, we're not doing it to exploit or anything like that. We're doing it to show the power of Christ and how the power of Christ can bring someone from the lowest of lows to a relationship with him. Um, And God also uses the rescue mission to make this happen. And the rescue mission does um, rely on private donations. We don't accept any money from the government or any of that nature. It's just from people like me and you. So please consider... Um, donating to the mission. But at the end of the day, to Christ be the glory. And thanks to people like Ron, you know, who just, <laughs> I'm just smiling here because it's just an amazing story. But Ron, i want to thank you so much for coming on today and coming to tell your story on The Shelter.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: All right, guys. Well, as I said, this is The Shelter. And we will see you next week with another great story of redemption.